Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, just head over to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP4. This week on TWIP, Sears and Walmart shut down their portrait studios. Plus, there's a new app out that allows your friends to purchase things from your Facebook photos without your permission. Plus, there's a discussion about how far you might go to get the shot. And finally, at the end of the show, there's an interview with Verena and Jay Patel. It's Wednesday, April 10th, 2013, and this is TWIP. And before we jump into this week's show, uh, just a quick public service announcement, if you will. I'd like to apologize for the profanity and the somewhat sophomoric behavior that was present in last week's show, episode number 301. Basically, we should have begun the show with an explicit content warning flag or otherwise we should have given you a heads up. Basically, over the years, we've built a strong brand in TWIP and allowing that type of language and behavior on the show was just not the right thing to do. And you should know that though TWIP has always been a work in progress, we will continue working to keep the quality at a level that you've become accustomed to. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, the next quick announcement is our friends over at Connected Data have allowed me to, or given me permission to give away yet another Transformer. This will be the second one, um, or the second contest, to one lucky listener to enter. All you have to do is go to the blog post for this episode and use the form that you find there to enter. And we'll be announcing the winner on next week's show, I believe. Okay, welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we're going to be diving into Sears and Walmart shuttering their portrait studios. Also, there's a new app on Facebook that allows your friends to share your photos or actually to make prints of your photos or physical items from your photos without your knowledge or or a uh, or permission. Plus, Facebook Home arrives, the new phone or the new layer of Android from Facebook. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And finally, we're going to talk about how far are you as a photographer willing to go to get the shot. We're going to have some examples of some some people that uh, have gone to literally extremes in order to get that perfect shot. So here to discuss all this stuff with me and more are Miss Darlene Hildebrandt, Sarah France, and Mr. Martin Bailey. Hey, guys. Hey, Fred. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, it's good to see all of you. It's all of you. Hey, before we continue with the roundtable discussions, um, at the end of the show, we've moved the interview segment to the end of the episodes now, so folks can, it doesn't break up the show, and if you want to listen to it, you can just go to the end of the show. Uh, But at the end, I did a great interview with the husband and wife team of um, uh, Jay Patel and Verena Patel. So they, uh, we had some interesting discussions about their photography, their travels, and how they manage a gigantic family along with traveling the world and business and photography and hangout and all that stuff. So it was a great talk. So definitely stay tuned to the end of the show to listen to that. And plus the YouTube video will be embedded in the episode for this. So before we kick this off, Sarah France, you have not been on the show in 
forever. What, yeah, and every time I talk to you, you have another story of some crazy adventure that you came back from. Last time it was GoPros out of helicopters or something crazy like that. What's yeah, new? That, what's that new in France? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've uh, we've been really busy with some rebranding stuff, so we've been um, just really getting a ton of new stuff dialed in, and I'm in love with my new branding. So um, it's so fun to go through that process and like finally be in love with it and just push everything out with your new logo on it. I love it. So that's been really fun, and we're doing a lot of uh, booking. It's booking season for us, so weddings are coming up, and we've just been really busy with all of that. But a lot of it's been in San Diego. I mean, um, I know I'm always like, I haven't really been doing anything fun, just like swimming with sharks and stuff like that. But yeah, um, <laughs> our new fun toy around here is, uh, is a helicopter that actually flies with a little GoPro on it. Is so that the Phantom? Just, is that the Phantom? Yeah. Yeah, we have the, yes. the Phantom. So we've been going to like all the dog parks and seeing how, how the dogs react to it and getting to know how it works and stuff and just having a blast with it. My favorite was we um, went over to the neighbors and just like went up to their front door and kind of hovered and hung out at the front door because they had it open. Sarah, you know, we've we've talked about the, the drone photography and specifically the litigation that's going around, that's going on, <laughs> not litigation, but the law that they're trying to, you know, ratify by 2015 around that. And you are the person that they're trying to stop. <laughs> well, luckily so. the neighbors know about it and they love it. So it was more like their pet was coming over to play. That was kind of okay. what we were going for with it. So Whatever you worry. do, no hovering, no hovering outside the bathroom window while no. you know people are showering or anything like that. Don't yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> I mean, really, we're just trying to have some fun and play play with it and get to know how it works so that we can use it for um, some wedding stuff. Mm, it's so. all funny games. It's all funny games until that YouTube video goes up. All right, <laughs> exactly. Darlene, Darlene Hildebrand coming to us uh, from the north up there in Canada. Hey, what's going on, Darlene? Hey, well, it's raining today, which is better than snowing. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice down here. It's uh, in the 80s in in <laughs> Northern California. Sorry to tell you, it's probably beautiful in San Diego. I'm gonna get my fork right out there. again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, location, location, location. That's all I gotta do. Uh, no, I, I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff. Of course, it's tax time coming up, so yeah. I've been spending a whole bunch of time. Yesterday, I spent 11 hours just going through my receipts and making a spreadsheet. So that was oh. like I wanted to stab myself with a fork. Oh, uh, not my favorite thing. Um, I'm in the middle of teaching my HDR class, which is two weekends in a row. So that's really fun. We have a good group. And I met with a travel agent this week, a uh, local travel agent, and we're going to be planning a photo tour to Cuba. Oh, so Cuba. that's exciting. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So we're still trying to figure out the logistics on, on helping U.S. people get there because we're all in Canada. But we're, we'll figure it out, and uh, hopefully I'll have some news on that maybe next time. Very cool. That's nice. I love to see you guys. Every time I talk to you guys, you're like, all this amazing stuff going on. It's inspiring and depressing at the same time. So speaking, <laughs> speaking of that, Martin, what, what's going on last week? Snow monkeys flying around the world, doing tours. And what's, what's, what's going on in the Bailey world? Uh, pretty much, you know, more of the same. I've, uh, I finally released last for this week's podcast, my own podcast. I finally released the a slideshow that I put together of um, South Georgia and Antarctica photos with some video merged in. 
uh, that took a couple of days to put together. Um, and I'm I'm currently writing my second craft and vision book. Nice. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be fun. I don't know when it'll be out, but I'm I've got to get that in by the end of the month. Yeah. And I'm working with a guy on setting up a Sri Lanka tour. Uh, wildlife see, in you Sri see what Lanka. I mean? so. You see what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm setting so. up a tour to Enceladus. We're gonna go check check out that moon and see how things are going. Yeah, you guys yeah. are, you know, I love it. Yeah. It looks so, fun though. That's cool. That's cool. So the the one of your picks, I think your pick is a a craft and vision book. I'm I'm anxious to have you share that with the uh, with the yeah. audience. Yeah, that's yeah. We'll we'll, leave, we'll let that be a cliffhanger, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> It's uh, it's not very expensive either. So no. okay, <laughs> so let's jump into the first story. The first one is Sears and some Walmart stores are shutting down their portrait studios. So, um, well, first of all, let's let's just do a quick show of hands of who has been photographed in one of those studios at some point in their life. Hmm. Walmart, <laughs> or I don't even know. I'm gonna go with maybe. Come on. At least you were photographed in there, or they came to your school, Sarah, and you got those those shots or something. It may have been the Sears, because I remember a department store. I just don't remember if it was Sears, but it must have been Sears, right? I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. who knows? It could have been Sears or Olin Mills or whoever. Uh, but so let's, let's talk about this. So there's been a stigma around just those kinds of businesses where they, you know... Uh, how, what's a good way to put it? <laughs> but they don't produce art or or high level photography. So let's let's say that. So they kind of bring people in. You shoot them for an hour. They have a set background, set lighting. You get a portrait. You get your prints, and you're off. So let's let's talk about it from the standpoint of should they be continuing, or is there a way for them to continue doing business the way that they're going, or that in some places that they were going? I know that business that did that is has kind of shuttered. And if not, what could that business be? Like Martin, let me throw it to you first. If you, if if they came to you and they said, Martin, you know what? We're we're revamping the entire line. This is Walmart. They come to you and they say, we're revamping the entire in-store experience, and we want to look to you, Martin Bailey, as a leading photographer to help us do it the right way for 2013 and beyond. What would that experience look like? I I think the the general trend. Uh, and this is coming from someone that, although I do some some of this type of portraiture, I'm not. It's not the main thing that I'm into. But I uh, I think the main trend is just more, much more lifestyle rather than sitting there in a studio with a background, uh, which has got a place. I think. Mm -hmm. I I reckon that most people now want to see more candid portraiture, more you know them having fun with the family, and I uh, I think that it's going to be much more about location and. Even if they set that up, have a, a large space in the back of a of of a store that looks like a field uh, or a hill, and yeah. you know, just just sort of make it a lot more natural. People people just I don't think I think most people are tired of the 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 mottled brown background or the you know the marbled gray background things like that. So yeah. I I reckon it should be should be really a bit more about. Um, uh, a a live uh, a more candid approach, uh, but also I I reckon I mean people now we're so tuned in digitally that people probably also are going to want a a video of the experience. You know, if you go in there and you're going to be doing a lot of stuff, it wouldn't it be great if you could not only get a few a few photographs, but also have a video of of you being posed and a little bit of a digital experience. Uh, you know, that people just expect 
expect so much more now. Yeah. Um, so if you, I think that any business at the moment, uh, and this is just off the top of my head, but you know, any business at the moment is going is got to to survive and to remain a viable business has to. Uh, morph and change with the with the market. Um, you got to stay cool, right? I mean, you yeah, got to stay cool. Yeah. You got to stay current. You can't keep doing the painted backgrounds. Not that there's anything wrong right. with painted backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, but, I've got I own them as well. But yeah. you know, it, it's like when Kodak didn't go bankrupt because digital arrived. They were the people that that pioneered it. Mm-hmm. The Kodak went bankrupt because they they weren't able to continue to change with the times. It, it's all about adapting. Yeah, adaptation, adapt and overcome. Darlene Hildebrandt, same question to you. They come to you, Darlene. You, you're you're noted in the industry. You know what you're doing around a camera, and we want you to be the CEO of this new entity and relaunch it for 2013 and all the WalMarts across the country and beyond. What what would that look like for you? Well, that's a tough question because I think that I mean the studio that I would launch wouldn't be the same clientele that goes to Walmart. You know, is not yeah. my clientele are not the Walmart people, right? <laughs> There's mm. such thing and um, putting a studio and I and loosely calling it, you know I'm calling it a portrait studio inside Sears or Walmart. Um, I've always kind of said that that those were lost leaders. That the whole point of putting that in there is to get people in the store so they buy other stuff. And I can't, I could never see how they made any money from it because their prices were so cheap. And I mean, the law of business, like anytime you compete on price, such at such a hot level as that, that somebody's going to lose. And I think yeah. they're losing out because people are realizing that you know, hey, I can do this just as good because they're really you know not that special. Like you said, it's it's in front of a plain backdrop. I can do this at home with my own SLR and take a couple mm-hmm. classes. Yeah, that's exactly it, and that's what the article said. I mean, the, the company that shuttered, it's a company called CPI Corp, and basically they said they've been struggling because, frankly, you can get better pictures, in a lot of cases, probably out of your phone or you know, at least with a DSLR or, or a, even a Micro Four Thirds camera. You can do some really cool stuff. Why do you want to go all the way to the studio, get that done, and then wait for the prints and you know that sort of flow is in a lot of ways over because now you can do it yourself and then order prints online if you absolutely need to have prints or read Martin's book making you know the print and and print them yourself at home <laughs> so let's let's turn to Sarah France so Sarah if you Sarah decide that that you uh, or if it's decided that you're going to run a company that is going to provide this photography services to Walmarts, et cetera. How would you handle that? So there's a couple of things I think that they're that they're missing or there are still companies out there doing this that are able to do it successfully. There's you know, there's picture people that are out there and doing it a ton right now. So right. I mean they're they're doing something right and it's maybe their old model that's not working. But there are a few areas where I think this can be really useful. Um, it's definitely more of a um, less of expensive if if they do it in sort of a way that can be you know provide a better quote unquote value just to get some photos or headshots whatever mm-hmm. but a lot of times the place where this is really valuable is babies because with babies typically what you see you see some lifestyle stuff these days but still a lot of it is studio stuff so it's really working with the 
with the types of, of images that work best in studios. It's like the corporate headshots, the, those things that really, um, sometimes they just want a standard, um, background and they want to be able to know they're going to get something good. But on top of it, they can't be hiring, you know, high school kids or kids right out of college who have no interest in photography or don't know anything really, um, about it to to be the photographers they're just really there following a recipe and um, there's no like creative engine behind it so having like a good professional photographer on that side would have probably been another good way to kind of keep things going having a photographer that knows what they're doing and then staff to handle the rest of it mm -hmm. um, similar to the types of models that we have in our businesses that are running successfully but on a more professional industrial like um, volume type of type of business so I think there's definitely still ways to do it but also they're not really providing any unique products it's like right. here's your five by seven and you're on your way I mean nowadays there's so many amazing products out there like why aren't they offering you know metal prints and um, just acrylics and all these cool fun things that are out there design services like all those things that our clients are asking for from us and a lot of times I can't really even um, there's so many different things to to have if they had not only a photographer but a designer on staff to like work through some designs with a client give them some offerings they could do cards they could do I mean all these things so yeah. I don't think that it's that the business isn't necessarily there anymore I think it's that they they just stopped looking at the model left it the way it was for 10 years 15 years and then thought it would keep working um, yeah. and it and it just doesn't anymore there's too many great photographers out there doing great stuff to uh, have to have this model stand you know true for Martin was saying you have to adapt and overcome to sort of change with the ebbs and flows of the market and you know I I I think on my side of it, I would look at it more of if you're going to retool the whole thing, why not retool and maybe go high end, you know, instead of saying, okay, here's our calendars, we're open from 9 to 5 and we have to fill, we can fit in one portrait session every other hour or something like that. Why not go down the the route of saying, okay, we're going to go, like, say for example, high like Home Depot, not that they're high end or anything, but they came out to my home and installed blinds and you know they had they had it was a premium sort of experience where I went into the store I picked what I wanted then they came out and they it was a whole white glove sort of experience to get the blinds and all that stuff installed why not do the same thing or something similar like that with portraiture where you go in and you're hiring you're building a, an experience where then a photographer or a crew comes to your place or your home to do and they do environmental portraiture of you and your family in your home environment instead of sticking you in front of a painted background with some trees in there and all that do in front of your trees well, you know? well I think there are uh, I, I guess I kind of feel like it depends where you're putting it if you're talking about Sears and Walmart yeah. Their clients are not are are unfortunately True. not the right ones. So, but you could I mean, but you could spit it off. They built their brand like that, right? You couldn't you say, okay, we're building this high end portrait studio that's separate from Sears. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Yeah. It seems well, like you I feel could. like I I mean I feel like that fits in like a Nordstrom. You yeah. know, if Nordstrom yeah. decided they wanted to branch off and do something like this, then that absolutely works. Or even you know, you could even go as far as maybe Costco I mean I was in Costco the other day they had 
consultants who will come out to your house and like, you know, I'm I'm getting new carpet, everyone. Just thought yeah. you know, it's very <laughs> exciting. Um, Yay, but I, <laughs> that was kind of what I was looking for. And they were like, yeah, we'll set up an appointment to come in. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. So that kind of thing is definitely a market that's out there and not tapped. I, I totally agree. I, I think the model definitely can work. I think in the studio or out, outside the studio, there's still needs for both. That's why there's photography studios still, you know. But with all the kids stuff I see, it's like I, I was just at WPPI. So kids stuff is just an anomaly. Like there are full businesses just around baby clothes for photo shoots. It's mm. insane. Um, and backdrop combinations. You can get a flooring and you can get a wall to do kids kids pictures on. I mean, that's amazing. You're like building a house where, where they are. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> and that only works for babies. So Darlene, how Darlene, how would you position your business? If you were if you were dis describing your business to someone from outside the industry, how how do you position her view of photography? Is it top end? Is it exclusive? Is it boutique? Is it mass market? Well, I'm not doing a whole lot of, of portrait and wedding stuff anymore, but the ones that I do the ones that I do, um, I would say mid to high end in my own city. Mm -hmm. So not not boutique, not the top of the line. But you know, if I'm going to run a full time portrait studio, that's kind of where I like to be. You know, I don't want to be the top. I'd like to be just sort of under the top. And there's there's benefits to to being in that position because when you hit sort of uh, rough times, the top end is where it gets hit the hardest, right? So the, the I've always positioned my studio sort of the upper middle um, to to the low highs, if you will. And in in times of recession, my studio always grew be, um, because there was always sort of enough market for me to do so That's so cool. I, I don't want to go so elitist that you know nobody can afford me and then if the market takes a downturn I take a big hit um, so that's kind of where I like to be yeah Martin what about you how do you, how do you position yourself you're gonna compare your brand both personal and your business brand to say you know a, a popular brand that's out there today would you be a Tiffany's would you be a Walmart would you be what you know BMW where, where mm -hmm. were you fit in there and I, uh, I'd probably be a Lexus. Nice. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> because it's the, Japanese and you're in Japan, right? <laughs> well, it, it's um, the thing is, is I, I always try to build quality into everything that I do. I, I don't want to be known as the, as the guy that will do something on the cheap or, mm -hmm. or will, will do something that just meets um, the, the client's, you know, required level of quality I want to always surpass that um, but like Darlene's saying you know I'm, I'm definitely not um, always going to be trying to position myself at, as the, at the, the top mm -hmm. but I don't want to be lower than I mean I, I, I guess I, I with everything that I do I'll, I'll always go the extra mile to create a quality product and I enjoy um, Handing things over to customers and and them and just the look on their face when they see the quality, yeah. um, but it does make it more difficult to sell. You know, people when when you tell someone that you want a uh, hundred dollars for a print and not not three, mm -hmm. they they will turn around and say, okay, so why? But and in fact, a lot of the time they don't even say that; they'll just walk away and find someone else. Yeah. But for me, I would much rather only work for the people that are prepared to pay for a quality product. Not necessarily over the top. It's just that, I mean, I, I tell people this all of the time. I, 
I don't want to work for um, an any for any specific job. I don't want to work for an amount of money that makes me resent doing that work. I want to work for amount of an amount of money that I feel happy asking the customer for, and if they feel happy paying, then I feel happy doing the job. Yeah, you, know, you want to be compensated. You know, it's just, right. you, know, you want to feel like you're giving yourself away, and that that will impact your work. And, right. and on the customer side, they don't want to feel like they're being taken. In the case of the you know, three dollar print versus the hundred dollar print, and right. like you said, they're uh, gonna they're gonna walk away anyway. But but what the result is is that you know a lot of people do walk away, but the but it it means that I only do jobs for people that want to pay for my service. And mm -hmm. um, I last year, uh, no, not last year. It was I think it was the year before now, maybe. Um, yeah, it was the end of two thousand eleven. Uh, a customer that uh, we did exactly what you were talking about earlier. I actually went around. I'd got. Uh, an op a seven foot octobank going through one window in their house. I'd got a, a three by four softbox going through another window. Mm -hmm. We'd got lights everywhere, and we basically turned their living room into a studio. Mm -hmm. And some of the resulting shots from that, um, we they asked me to do. You know, in, in Japan they they don't do Christmas cards. They send uh, year end cards. And this family asked me to do a batch of cards. And I said, well, you know. I, I can give you the the images and you know you get them printed yourself, but this family said, well you know we we've had prints from you before. We love the fine art paper that you use, the the quality of the prints. We don't mind paying for paying for you to do it. Mm -hmm. And so okay, so I I ended up quoting them a, a decent amount. It was a morning's work. You know I'd got the rotary cutter out. I was doing all of, I was actually creating a hundred or so um, year end cards for this family. Um, but the the cool thing was, and the reason I'm telling you this is because because of the quality, the branding that, that that they were buying into, they actually asked me to put my logo on the front of all of these cards, and I said, well, I don't have to do that. You know, I'm I'm happy to not do that. You're paying me for it. They said, no, we want people to know that we have these photos made by Martin Bailey, and oh, and so, wow. and so I'm, well, that's I'm cool. Saying, it is. So I'm so that's that's the place that I want to be and continue to work at. I don't want to work for someone that just wants a, a snap. You know, they want someone to take the photos and walk away. I want them to be buying me, my brand mm -hmm. as well. That's good. Sarah, now we know your branding. You're going through this branding exercise right now, right? So what's your brand positioning for this brand? Is it mass market targets? Is it a level up Tiffany's, you know, and beyond BMW, Lexus? Where, where is Sarah France fit? Um, so I would definitely say, I mean, well, probably my favorite brand of car is BMW. So it's really tough not to just say BMW right away. I think that's kind of <laughs> I where led the I'm going to go. I led the witness, right? I, yeah, exactly. Um, it wasn't tough. Um, so I, I think there, for us, we're positioning wise, we're dealing with a, like in our industry, a lot of kind of maybe industrial, uh, look and feel for clients like a lot of my clients are really into that they're into the the craft beer places the really nice industrial kind of mix kind of feel to their images to everything to their lifestyle that kind of thing so mm -hmm. a lot of uh, a mix really of downtown and 
um, and natural environment. So I just love that. Anytime you kind of throw a tree in front of a concrete wall, I'm like, ooh, stop. This is so nice. I love it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think positioning-wise, we're very specific and targeted towards our type of client. Um, with all of the stuff that we were looking at, not only for the brand, but for anything that we're using with that brand, we're trying to make sure, like we're building, um, we're doing a little show tomorrow for exquisite weddings and we're building, um, out a piece that's going to have images like suspended and kind of floating along with those cool, like industrial old, um, vintage light bulbs. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, just with industrial silver metal around it. So just kind of going with that look and feel, I think it in everything that we're kind of putting forward right now, that might not be cool in five years, but um, my brand will still be there and still look whatever hip and modern it needs to, it needs to be for, you know, what yeah. we are then. So, so before we leave this and go on to this, this next story, Sarah, you are, I look at you as like, a branding expert overall. Just if you could leave a parting shot with the this weekend photo listeners on for folks that are like, okay, I need to build a brand. I don't have a brand, and you know, you look online and everything is John Doe photography, photography by John Doe. You know, all this stuff. How how do you differentiate yourself in a world of names, photography, and a picture of a camera? You know, I know, right? Um, I think that there are. A few things. One is that um, no matter how strong a branding presence you have, if you don't have the imagery to match it, it doesn't matter. So you can have the greatest logo there is to have, um, but um, if they see a you know an image that doesn't match it, then that's where the where the hiccup is going to be. First of all, right. um, secondly, I'd say that you know the world of fonts is like a crazy, insane world. But in my case, we wanted to come up with something that wasn't a font that they people could find. We wanted it to be original and different. But having a branding expert really, really helps for sure. Um, but if you can't afford that, just really dig into what you love. And and I I mean I'm like. I'm like a bride right now. When I started with this, it was like, I'm going to Pinterest everything I love and I'm going to make a branding board and all the colors. But when I look back Don't at it, I worked, over there, it like... <laughs> I worked on it for like two years. Um, well, I worked on it for longer than that, but I Pinterest it for like forever. But I look back at it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, it all like actually came together. I like see it now and it's like this vision of, Oh, like I thought I was going that direction, but I actually didn't. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Darlene's yeah, holding oh up color God. swatches. That, yeah. I did that exact thing. Darlene, I also bought, um, oh, who is it? There's like a color book uh, paint swatches from Restoration Hardware. I love their paint and I'm in love with all of their colors. So I bought the whole thing and just started like tagging stuff that I love. So. There, it really is a process of digging into um, who you are as a person, what you love, um, what's unique about you, and what's unique about your images, and those two things coming together and creating, you know, all of those things coming together and creating your brand. It's everything well, I, from color to texture. I'll throw something out there for both of you guys, uh, or all three of you guys. So, have have you heard of a service called Cooler from just, Adobe? I just put the link in the chat room. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, so yeah, what? so fo folks that are watching, it's K U L E R K U L E R dot Adobe dot com. And it is basically a site that 
let you find families of color that work together. And I used it for, for painting my house. So I'm like, okay, you know, this accent wall is going to be that. The main color is going to be this. And you can just go in there and you can create these palettes and then share them out with other people and look at what they share. It's, it's amazing. And it's free. Mm. But you know, you, you, can, know. you know what else you, okay, you can do with that, Cedric? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, got to go, you guys. I'm sorry. I've got to go on the color. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what else you can do with that though, Frederick? What's because it's, it's made by Adobe. You can download them as swatches and import them into your swatch palette right in Photoshop. Right. Which is how That's I made awesome. this. Because I'm I'm in the middle of rebranding for a new site as well and logo design and all that stuff too. I love it. I need to be able to send this color palette to Home Depot and have them mix the paint for me, <laughs> so I could just go pick up the paint. <laughs> This is done. That is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think too. I I had always had like one color, and now I have like three in my in kind of like what I'm working with, and even more. I mean, I think it's really good to understand what colors kind of all work together. It's yeah. not about like a color anymore. It's about a palette for sure. Right. Yeah. And when the problem, we're going off tangent a little bit, but the problem for me was I know what colors I like, but I don't know what. Like I can get my brain around what would go good with that, other than different shades of that same color. You know, you can draw a yeah. color wheel all day and say, okay, this color is related to that color, blah blah blah, and work from there. But but these on cooler, those the colors that they break down, you would never think of using them together, and you look like, okay, now that's cool. You know, <laughs> well, you you know what I I actually use I use this more for teaching about color than um actually branding and stuff like that, but. Mm -hmm. I have a, a program called uh, Color Schema Studio. You can get it from the App Store uh, on, a, on a Mac. And what this actually does is it gives you the ability, because you know, like on a, on a color wheel, um, it, let's see, contrasting colors. Uh, if, you, if you look at, like, for example, I, I use an image that I've got of a, an orange poppy in a, in a field of blue flowers. Mm -hmm. And if you, look at a, if you look at a color wheel, the orange of the poppy is exactly opposite the blue of the flowers, and so that on a color wheel, the way the way they're designed, um, it actually if you, it, the opposite color will always be a, a contrasting but complementary. You can draw like thirds if you split the a color wheel into thirds. The you know you've got orange and then green and purple, and they will always work together. Um, and there's the, in color schema studio, you can actually select. Um, which you know you select a color and then ask it to tell you which which three colors match it or which opposite colors nice, nice. Um, and think you can do things like I use this because it's so I mean it's probably not much worth point sharing the screen because it's gonna go, this is gonna go out on video yeah. on audio but right, right. Um, yeah I use it a lot to tell to teach people about complementary colors and stuff like that so um, yeah there's a lot of science behind color and matching and all of that. I love it. Yeah. So we, we went from uh, Olin Mills and Walmart and Sears <laughs> to Cooler. <laughs> That's how it happens on this I was photo. wondering if you were going to go circle that back around and to show yeah, how far we had gone. I just connected it randomly just like that. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Let's move on to this uh, to the next story here. And it's a... Uh, this one's a little disconcerting. It's an app, like we said at the top of the show, that sells your Facebook photos or allows your friends to purchase products like mugs, keychains, mouse pads, phone covers, etc., from images that you've uploaded to Facebook. So 
And there's a there's a lot of we can get into the criticism of that, uh, but before we dive into it, Martin, I want to like just the gist of this. What is what do you what do you make of this? I mean, is this okay? Because you're like, okay, I upload my not so cool photos to Facebook anyway. It doesn't matter. And if someone mm. wants to buy a mug from it, all the better. Is that your your take on it, or do you get angry? I I I try to be mellow in life, and I just <laughs> so I I just don't. I'm not going to even care about this. But, but yeah. it's I think it's wrong. I, I don't think it should be allowed. I think that the the company that that are doing this should figure out a way of compensating people if they're going to make money on it. Um, they should figure out a way of compensating people, or um, that it should be built into Facebook so that you can turn the the feature on or off, allow it or disallow it. Um, yeah. I think the truth is that the majority of people using Facebook would be would be happy over the moon if someone selected an image of theirs to put on a mug, and and it's only really photographers that are trying to make a, a living at this that would it's get professionals. Right. So I, yeah. yeah, and and I'm I'm really just uh, I, I I try not to get too concerned about this stuff. I mean, the knee jerk reaction for some people is going to be. Okay, well, I'm never uploading any any photos to uh, to Facebook again. Uh, I'm going to delete my account. Yeah. If you do that, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Anyway, um, you might as well throw your stuff out there. It's going to get used, and if if it does, uh, you can decide what to what to do about it. But I, you know, I think life's too short to get too head up about this. Stuff. Don't overthink it. So the name of the service is called Photos at My Door. And the website says they're a division of More Photos, uh, which and what More Photos does, they offer websites, shopping cart solutions, or photographers shopping cart solutions for their website, that sort of thing. So More Photos responded to the criticism of this app, and they said, um, if you want your photos, your images protected, you should think twice about uploading them to Facebook. You lose a lot of rights when you do, after all. So, <laughs> so Darlene Hildebrandt. <laughs> okay, let's, here, let's paint a picture. Here's a scenario. You're hanging out, you know, you go to some mixer or something, and you get there and you see a bunch of mugs on the table with one of the images of one of your family members on the mug that you took. What What are your actions? What do you do? Do you care? Are you like, are you a leaf on the wind like Martin <laughs> Bailey, or do you go ballistic? Um, somewhere in between, like I tend to be more relaxed like Martin because like he said, life's too short to, you know, get your panties in a bunch or as it were, <laughs> but Martin, okay, take so, note. But, but, but let's say you, you just, just described a scenario and somebody put my family member. Okay. Yeah. So now I have a three-year-old niece. I go somewhere yes. and they've printed a photo of my three-year-old niece because they think she's cute or whatever. That's a little weird. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's bordering on pedophilia and whatever. And I know a lot of people are really careful about putting their own children's photos on Facebook and, you know, putting their names and that kind of thing. So especially if you have your your albums saved as friends only, your friends have access to those albums, but if they go off and print them, that's sort of, you know, what does that say about the friendship, number one, you know, right. that they're printing your photos. And I think there's a difference between, you know, printing your, your friend's family picture on a mug which is just plain weird and and outright you know stealing a professional photo and printing it on something totally. right so and I think that put it in perspective I mean the photos we put on Facebook are small enough that they're not going to go and make you know a canvas print and stick it on their wall because it's not going to look very good you right. know or it's going to be mouse pads and 
mugs and things like that and and for me it's not worth my time to chase around you know okay i lost three dollars but what if they did so sarah what if they did this and you know you you same kind of scenario with darlene you know you you go to a party and you see images of your niece or nephew on a mug in you know in this in this social setting do you like how do you react to that i mean is it is it okay to do that and what would make it okay if like if you had a folder on facebook that said these images are allowed to be printed what how would you handle that i know it's a really sticky situation i mean the the thing that i think about the most is obviously my own business when it comes to wedding so you know I, I'm trying to think of a like worst case scenario here like obviously they can ask access my wedding photos and stuff that we post online I mean yeah. really I it's mostly going to be the couple or people who are in relation to the couple so um, you know I guess for me, I kind of feel like them and that, you know, I'm putting them on Facebook. It's it's such a different world now than it was even two years ago. Two years ago or three or, heaven forbid, four years ago, we would have been having a screaming match over this. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. Mm -hmm. um, but it really is um, shocking that it can be done. Um, it's a little shocking and interesting to me that they are making a business out of this. But at the same time, I can see why this could be a really valuable and fun service for a lot of people to use. Um, and I don't see a lot of the damage in how they're doing it right now. However, if it does turn into something bigger where, you know, this could easily turn from keychains and mouse pads and mugs to you know, unique, amazing products that only professional photographers have access to right now. I right. mean, what's holding them from that, you know? So that is a completely different conversation. I mean, it's, you know, even I, I had clients in, last night that we were talking to, and they have full rights to use their high-res files for whatever they want. And we were talking, he was going to have a canvas print printed for his family, um, and he he was going to send it up to Costco in the Bay Area because that's where they live. And I was encouraging him to find a better place to purchase from. But you really just don't have control anymore of the kinds of products that are being put out there, um, which is kind of the real drawback to where we're at when it comes to digital and what people choose to do with their images for one, if I showed up and there was a, one of my wedding photos on a mug mm -hmm. or on a mouse pad, I would barf. Like, <laughs> please do not do that with my photos. Like, I know, I mean, Aunt May's going to do it anyways, but yeah. I just don't understand the need for, I don't know. I, so, think, I think it's privacy, right? I think at the in the end of it, Facebook is good at privacy and controlling who can do what with yeah. whatever content. So why couldn't they just extend this to surround photos and let you say, you know, only this group of friends can have these privileges that apply to the photos that I upload. You know, why There's absolutely just... no reason that they can't do that. And and I completely agree with you, Frederick. Like we're saying, well, you know, it's not so bad, but honestly, if I could turn it off, I would in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I would say, mm -hmm. no, you're not doing that with my photos. So, yeah. you know, 
So I would really, really, Facebook, are you listening? I would really like you to give some control in that area because I do think that more so, not, I'm not talking about losing money. I'm talking about controlling what happens with my art. Yeah. Controlling what is done, you know, or likeness of your friends and family. Because what if you you can extend it out to just privacy? If you go somewhere and you take photos of people that don't necessarily want to be photographed, and you put them on Facebook, and now there are a bunch of mouse pads out of this person that didn't even want to be photographed at this event to begin with. You know, what message does that send? I mean, it just well, and how do you write that in your contract? <laughs> exactly, I know. You know, my contract does not say that you're like that my friend from Siberia who happens to be a Facebook friend that I I let in back when that was okay to do um, got a hold of your my image now and has you know is selling mouse pads all over the another country so right. and I have no control over that so then then who's liable right Frederick yeah go for it there, there was some stuff in the background because of that. Because I've had other apps that have come up like that in the past, or people have notified, you know, in the photo groups kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And usually, if you go block them, then they cannot access any of your stuff. So I go block them when I find out about them. But I mean, more pop up all the time. Yeah. In the background of this one, though, in their sort of their setup, if it, if you will, um, they said that it does not apply to Facebook business pages. So as long as you post your professional photography stuff on your page and not on your personal pay profile they cannot access those so that yeah. would get that would be a way around not having your, having your clients not being able to put themselves on a mug yeah I think that's an important thing to do anyways and it's owned by what's interesting is it's owned by a company called wedding details um, that's an online site for um, wedding plan it's a wedding planning source so mm -hmm. um, they obviously know a lot about the wedding market and were probably thinking in that area when they went with this business model I'm sure mm, it's it's scary it's very scary I know. But... I'm with you yeah. All right. Uh, the other piece of that in the Facebook news was HTC, um, the the phone company, and uh, Facebook have collaborated on the HTC First. It's a smartphone that was released this week, and it integrates the Facebook Home app, which uh, it's a, it's sort of a layer on Android that allows basically it brings your Facebook stream into your phone. So when you open up your phone, you see who's doing what scrolling across your phone. It makes it easy for you to interact with your favorite friends and all that stuff. It's, it's actually really cool. I watched the video for it, and I think we'll, we'll probably embed the video for it in the post for this. But it, uh, it's, it's really interesting. The photography slant on this, I mean, does, does, basically I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this as kind of Facebook moving into the phone space or the handset space and what that could mean overall. Are we going to see Instagram become more tightly integrated on, the, on that layer? Darlene, you're smiling. What do, what do you think? Well, I could see an application for that phone. I watched, to be honest, I watched the first three minutes of the video, and then I kind of got bored with it. It was a little, it was a little techie, but I could see that at the price point that it's at, you know, like a teenager that has a hundred bucks to blow in their pocket. Yeah, it's only a hundred bucks. It's ninety nine yeah, bucks. Yeah. Ninety nine bucks. So they, I could see them totally appealing to that market, and it's Facebook ready, you know, if you will. It's probably got Twitter and all that other, like it's social media ready, and yeah. and. I mean, the thing that I find with 
kids under 20 or under 25 even, um, you know, everybody's on social media, everybody's tweeting and Facebooking and, and they don't use their phone as a phone anymore. Yeah. And um, I went out for a dinner with some, some girlfriends of mine that I actually went to high school with. And I won't say how many years ago because I would date myself. But um, let's just say we didn't have cell phones back in the day, yeah. you know. And the one lady was telling a story about her teenage daughter. She was 10 minutes late picking her up. When she got home, there was six messages on the phone, and she Facebooked her and all did all this other stuff. And she's like, really? Ten minutes? You know, you can survive without your mom. You're 15 years old for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Goes on. One thing that you, you, you struck on is, like, they don't use the phone as a phone, you know, people that are – but I think – they do use the phone as a phone. It's just our definition of phone is different. Yeah. <laughs> Their definition of phone. I would argue that they would say that we didn't use the phone as a phone back then. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with my iPhone. There you go. It was a glorified walkie-talkie. Martin, how do you fall on this? Are you uh, going to run out and spend your 99 bucks and get your Facebook Home-enabled phone? Nah. I, uh, I'm too in love with my, with my iPhone to do that, but I... Right. I, I think, you know, for me, even if I had that phone, I would probably try and figure out a way to turn it off just because I, I'm i not that big a Facebook person. You know, and I, I use Facebook, but it's not my I'm – not, I'm not really that big a social media person, full stop. I, I'll do it because I enjoy mixing with people um, that, that share a, a, a common passion. Um, but I, it's not as though I'm on – I mean, for me, Google Plus is the main place, uh, but it's not as though I'm on there all day. I'll I'll try and jump in a few times through the day and and maybe plus one a few nice photos and I'll I'll communicate. Um, but also, I think as a content provider, a, a creator, it's uh, I I enjoy sharing and I enjoy talking with people that are in my circles. But it's not my life. It's you know, to me, it's just a it's it's a small part of of my life and so I don't want to see it the moment I turn my phone on um even with my iPhone I I don't use them I, I've got the the Facebook the Google Plus and the Twitter apps in a in a folder on like the third page and I'll go in there I'll go in there if I if I want to do something the re I mean the majority of it I'm using the phone as a tool I've I've got like um, the GoPro app and stuff and things that I actually want to get directly into depth of field calculators and all of that they're on the first screen so that I can get to them quickly so you know the fact that my social media is in a, in a folder on the third screen just shows that it doesn't for me it's not that important um, so I, I it wouldn't really interest me um, if I was really into Facebook and if Facebook was my life then I'd probably be jumping all over it got it Got it. Sarah, is Facebook your life? Is this phone the next it's phone for Sarah France? everything to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, for I the actually, Google Plus phone, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I actually, um, I get, I get crap for not being on, on Facebook enough, but I, um, I think Facebook is amazing and I think it's great. Uh, I just, I really just don't have enough time to keep up with everything. You know, people are like, people assume nowadays, by the way, that you know everything because they posted yes. it on Facebook. They're yeah. like, oh. oh, didn't you know I had a baby? Didn't you know I had this and that? I'm like, I blocked your feed like two years ago. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, we're friends. But They're insulted. I couldn't 
You're that, insulted. Right? What do you mean you didn't know that I had spaghetti for dinner last night, Sarah? Come on. Exactly. I know you had a baby's a little different, but yeah, they're like, didn't you see I posted that I worked out yesterday? Duh. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. so I think it's I think it's great and fun, but I definitely don't need a phone to keep up with it. I have enough devices as it is, and unless it's an Apple device. All right, Sarah. Yeah. So I'm going to challenge that because I know how <laughs> I know you appear cool and collected and all, you know. But I know you are a geek down deep, right? So I am. Google glasses. Are you are you going to be wearing some Google glasses around? <laughs> Google glasses are pretty cool. See, <laughs> one in one one word, she's saying, ah, too much technology. I don't need to be connected. No, but no, if you no. Jack into my crazy. brain, then I want them. <laughs> I mean, we're even get. I, I'm, you know, come on. I mean, I just told you about my latest toy. I mean, of course, I'm getting any new thing that sounds really cool and fun to play with, but nothing that I can already get on my iPhone. Yeah. Like, if I can already do it, then that's one thing. If I have one device that can do it, I'm going to stick with the one device. But if you give yeah. me something that's totally new and revolutionary, absolutely. I'm so you're getting, all about you're it. Getting, you're getting Google Glasses when they're available. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Darlene, Darlene. Oh, I'd love to get them. I mean, I saw Brian Matisse had them on the other day. He's on his yeah. profile, on his profile pic. Of course, he's now the new, you know, Google Photos manager. I know. He got superpowers now. It's crazy. <laughs> that's cool. So you, So you would get them and you would like... If you could get a prescription version of the glasses that you have on now with Google Glass in there, would you do that? That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I would do it. Wow. Martin, uh, Martin, I have a feeling you're going to say no. You, you know what? I'd, I'd do it if I would not – I would want to be able to buy a, a frame that I like. You know, you were just talking about the prescription. I, I mean, say if they if they partnered with Ray-Ban and I could get some cool shades, then yeah. Um, yeah. Same here. Uh, yeah. I I, I I'm not sure that I would um, I would just buy them. You know, if you have to buy a certain type of frame, uh, then probably no. But because yeah. I mean, although I'm I'm not necessarily vain. I mean, I'm, I'm not good looking enough to be vain. But I, but <laughs> sure I, you uh, are. Get out of here. Oh yeah, right. But I uh, no. So but I I do like to at least pick the the you know the frames so yeah i don't want i don't want to be going out of the house looking like sergey brin with you know <laughs> any of the photos that i see with him on are like okay i'm not buying those every time i see those photos i'm like i'm not buying one and then i see the specs and i'm like okay i'm buying them so mm-hmm. i don't know i think I it's know. great technology and I'd, I'd love i'd love to jump into that but i uh, i just need a little bit more freedom in the style of the glasses that's all i, don't I agree it's... with you martin you know yeah I like polarized glasses, and like as much as I love stylish glasses, I now won't buy um, stylish glasses glasses unless they're polarized. So I'm looking. I, I think I feel the same way. Like I need the combination of stylish and functional at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid of it. I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to get the glasses, but I just I feel like you know I'm going to be having like Sarah I'm going to come down there we're going to be having a conversation and you're we're going to be talking and you're going to be like yeah uh-huh Google Glass what's my what's Apple trading at right now <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know we're going to we're going to be having a conversation. people are just going to be disconnected we're already disconnected because of you know the, the social media the social media layer between us and text messaging and all that I just feel like now our interpersonal 
face-to-face interactions are going to have a layer of technology between us. So, not to say that I'm complaining because I'm going to get them, but I'm just I'm, I'm warning you. This is what's going to happen. Maybe only wear them when you're not face-to-face with one of your friends? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want <laughs> Google Glass in contact lenses. There you go. Ooh. That, Ooh. That. I've been How wanting, like, why can't they make polarized lenses as contacts? Can See? somebody tell me? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Why am I even wearing glasses? Let's get, I mean, come on. Seriously, I know. transition I know. lenses? I mean, come on. I know, I know. Fun, fun, fun. All right, guys, we, I want to get to the critique of the week, but before we do that, um, the story number three was about this Petapixel story. Of Basically, it's all about photographers that are doing these crazy things, like getting in the like water around volcanoes with lava streaming in there to get photos and posing in front of that and all that stuff. So the gist of this piece that I wanted to talk about was basically... We'll put the links to these these crazy images in the in the notes for this episode. But I wanted to put it to this crew. Let's put it to you, Martin, first, because you uh, you you go to some pretty crazy places with your workshops and that sort of thing. How far are you willing to get a shot? I mean, obvi- the obvious answer to that would be just far enough and no further. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but you know, are you willing to put yourself in harm's way or a little bit more in a more dangerous situation than normal, or do you just play it completely safe all the time? I, I I don't mind a bit of risk. I think that there's you know risk is is good. Um, you know I I've been I've been in helicopters. I I've been in. Mm-hmm. I mean I I spend most of the time in Antarctica in a Zodiac. Um, they're not necessarily dangerous, but when you're standing when you're sailing uh, between uh, or over a an iceberg that could that could um, split and rip you apart. At, at any moment, right? Um, obviously, yeah. obviously, you, the the reason that I'm okay with that uh, is because the I know that the people that I'm there with are so experienced. They can apparently when when a, a berg's about to break, it starts to make you know you start to see bubbles and the, and you can there are signs and a, an experienced zodiac driver will know how to how to watch for those signs and get you out of there if it's going to go. So I don't mind putting myself in in a risky situation. As long as the the risk is is hedged in my favor, you know, right, I, right. I, I and I'm definitely I'm not the sort of person that's going to be hanging off a building. Uh, and um, some of the I, I think that the the photos that we'll link to are, are incredibly cool. But yeah, I but also I, think I, you that thought it, cool when I saw the hanging photos. I thought yeah. you know I got the vertigo. Like yeah, I'm assuming they were trying to get you to get. I got vertigo when I looked at them. But then I thought, what if you had fallen? That would have been really stupid. Right. Right. Well, that's it. I mean, that that's the that's the next thing that I think is that you know it's probably only a matter of time before these people start to fall off of those buildings. Right. Um, right. I, I was talking with um, it was uh, Sean Goldbraith, I think, uh, who mentioned this. Uh, he's based in Toronto. When I was over there, I spent a lot of time with him, um, and he was talking about the people in Toronto that are. Um, Climbing tall buildings, to, you know, doing pretty much this, um, and he said that there's, there's, I think he mentioned that you know it's someone is going to fall, and when they do, it's going to be everything's going to be tightened up so much uh, that. But it, it's only a matter of time before someone takes a tumble, and uh, yeah, and the the sad thing is is that the people that enjoy doing this sort of thing are probably going to m- make that person into some sort of a martyr and he'll be a, he'll be he'll be a saint and and uh you know and, and so you know the, I, yeah. I don't know it's it's dangerous and I, I personally 
although I don't mind taking risks, I don't like being stupid either. So yeah. that, I, I think that's where I've drawn the line. Sarah, Sarah France, so you know, taking risk beyond flying your, your phantom drone in your neighbor's window and that sort of thing. <laughs> what, what Don't put of, that out there. What, <laughs> now you're scaring of, me. What kind of risks are you willing to take? I mean, you're shooting weddings and that kind of thing, but does yeah, yeah. other than bridezillas and their mothers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I take that risk every weekend. I know. Um, yeah, well, I love. I actually really. I don't know. I mean, I'm always known as the photographer that you know. In weddings, it's a lot less. I'm willing to like jump up on things and stand in the middle of a, of traffic, and like I'm usually have my assistant there just to make sure I don't get hit by a car or like something like that because I'm always running out and and total disregard for anyone else around me or anything else around me. So um, I think that's my only risk. I mean, obviously, Martin's got way more risk than I do. I want to do something as cool as that so that I can be like, yeah. And I was riding this elephant, and then the cheetah came up and attacked it. I don't know. I think that would be it's way all about cooler. the stories. You couldn't care less about the photos. It's about the story around the photos, so you can tell oh, people no. how you made oh, the photo. Yeah. Oh, 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 I the craziest story I have, the like my favorite image is because I was like in the middle of this crazy windstorm in Ireland on the edge of this building that was falling apart. I'm like, that's why I love the image, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like but I think that almost makes it more fun. It's like that little bit of daredevilish excitement that you almost win somewhere that no one either could go or would go. Yeah. Those Darlene, are the two things. Darlene right? Hildebrandt, is, is photography a spectator sport for you, or is it a, a participating, <laughs> a participative <laughs> sport? For me, mostly spectator. However, I mean, I, I'm not a daredevil myself. You know, I tend to keep my feet mostly on the ground. But I've yes. been known to, you know, jump out of a plane and bungee jump on occasion. And but you um, seem much more but, sane than Sarah France. I don't know. You seem much more <laughs> for sure. Well, the no day doubt. before we got married, my husband and I, we our whole wedding party, we bungee jumped in up in Whistler, BC. So that was yeah. kind of crazy. Um, we took the leap literally all together, right? Oh, nice. But for in terms of photos, I mean, I'm kind of like Sarah. Like for in terms of weddings and portraits and things, when I'm doing them, I've been known to stand up in uh, on a stream up to my knees in water and um you know I, I never wear a skirt because i'm usually crawling in the dirt somewhere or yeah up on uh standing up on a lamp post or you know what have you so um it helps that i have a tall husband because you know i'm sometimes i'm on up on his shoulders or what have you um but i mean standing on top of a building without safety rigging that's just stupid i mean that uh, you're asking for for trouble and i think those kids like i look at some of the videos like it that's craziness like serious craziness and some of the stuff I've seen Joe McNally do I'm I'm gonna assume he's got a safety harness or, or something yeah. right? right but yeah. I mean one of one of the questions that you asked that's in the show notes is you know do do we do it for the love of, of photography or is it is it for the money well I mean mm -hmm. I don't think there's any extra money in taking that risk and go ask some of these guys that are war photographers I don't think they're millionaires by any stretch of the means, you know. It's it's that thrill of maybe the adrenaline rush of doing that thing in the first place and saying, like you said, the story, oh, by the way, I stood on top of the Empire State Building. Here's my feet, right? Exactly. You see that photo of Joe McNally. Yeah, yeah. I don't so, know. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm going to keep my feet 
mostly on the ground, but there you uh, go. I'm, and get yeah. keep your feet on the ground and buy a long lens. There you go. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I love How the I love the National Geographic images I I see and I meet and I met a few National Geographic photographers. Um, and but my favorite part is that I want them to tell me the stories. Like that's what I want. I'm like. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, your images are so amazing, but tell me like the craziest things. It's just like what I mean, darling. Yeah. You know, like with wedding photographers, when people ask me, they're like, oh, you're a wedding photographer. Oh, I bet you've seen some crazy stuff. Tell me all that. Everybody wants to hear about the stories. They, the war stories. They don't want to. Yeah, exactly. They want the fun but there's stuff. A, Frederick, there's a perspective thing too because I teach beginner photography classes, mm -hmm. and just for a beginner, one of the things that we'll do is a photo walk, or, you know, I do travel photography, and I talk about photographing people on a street in a foreign country. For them, that is seriously a big risk, you mm -hmm. know, so they're not hanging off a building, they're just taking a picture of a stranger, and for the average person, that's kind of scary, it so is. I think I it think is. there's a perspective in terms of, okay, we don't think we're fearless, you know, but I have no problems taking a photo of somebody I don't know, you know, unless, of course, they're pointing a machine gun at me, then I might think twice about it, but an average person who picks up a camera and starts doing street photography, they have this fear of photographing other people. Yeah. Yeah, I know I, d I did, and that was uh, I talked about it on the show before. One of the one of the exercises that we did in the military was um, in Colorado Springs. The exercise was to go downtown and do I think we had to do like twenty portraits or something, but on film with a thirty six exposure roll, and you had to come back with twenty portraits that were good, you know, with a fifty mil lens. You know, so you had to get in the face of the person, you know, and like you're like right here, and you know, so you had to strike up a conversation. You had to do all that stuff. The whole exercise was invading uh, strangers' personal space and and not seeming creepy while you're doing it. So you you know this that's and that, you passed what, that. No, no, I failed miserably. <laughs> Why do you think I'm a civilian now? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What you what you were both saying there is a perfect segue to what I was what I was going to say. Um, I was talking with David Dushman um, when we were together in in here in Japan last month, and um, we he he talks about that as the and I the, I started to think about this when we were talking about the war photographer, uh, but David says you know that the whether you take a risk or whether you try to overcome the anxiety of approaching people in the street um, is he put it as it it's if the fear of going home without the photograph is greater than the fear of actually approaching them or uh, yeah I think that that's what drives a lot of people that that in, including the war photographer you know they they're not getting paid huge amounts of money for that I'm sure like Darlene said but the um, I think to a lot of them the fear of of leaving that that war zone without the images is greater than the fear. I mean, and you were you were a photographer in the military. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know. So it's I guess you you understand what I'm saying. And, yeah, oh, definitely. But by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it's it's all about the fear of not getting what you what you want um, being greater than the fear of actually going ahead and putting yourself in the line of fire or, yeah. or walking up to someone in the street. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to get the image. Um, you want to come back with usable images, which means you have to have a certain level of technical competency to be out there. Plus you want to be creative and get art at the same time. So you have to balance that, 
you know, I'm shooting art and I'm being, you know, I'm coming back with the required documentation of this particular event. All that stuff, it all works together. So, Okay, before we continue with the show, I want to let you know that this episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by the wonderful folks over at Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, video, or other type of project. They've got pretty much everything that you need over there. You can choose from over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. And Shutterstock sources images from around the world and puts them at your fingertips. And many contributors to Shutterstock are professional photographers. And Shutterstock reviews each and every image individually for content quality before adding it to the library. And they add about 10,000 images every single day. So every time you visit, chances are you're going to find something brand new. Shutterstock gives you the assets you need to bring your creative projects to the next level, and they work really hard to make it easy. They've give you they've got sophisticated tools in there to allow you to search and drill down by subject, asset type, gender, emotion, color, and even more. And when you find the asset that you're looking for, you can save them to a lightbox gallery. So you can just continue shopping and continue adding things to your lightbox. And then you can access your selections anytime and even share them with other team members for collaboration and decision making. So Shutterstock is a complete offering. They've got an award-winning iPad app, which is amazing. It allows you to search on the go and display your images during presentations. Um, they've got an excellent, excellent customer service team with dedicated reps and 24-hour support throughout the week, flexible pricing, monthly subscriptions, individual image pricing. You can download any image at any size and only pay one price. And, you know, I'll tell you, I've been finding all – basically, I go in Shutterstock all the time, and I just look for inspiration. I think, for example – you know, I'm, I was looking for an image of Redwood photos because I was doing a model shoot this week with a model, and I wanted to do it in the Redwood Forest Park that's close to um, close to San Jose. So I decided to go to Shutterstock for inspiration. And, you know, you can just sort of browse around in there and put in a few keywords, and boom, you're presented with amazing images to find. And then, you know, I was able to sit down with the model with the Shutterstock app and collaborate with her and kind of say, yeah, these are kind of the, this is kind of the background we're going to be shooting on. And these are the color tones that you need to use for the outfit selection and all that. So definitely check it out. If not just for the free app, it's uh, it's amazing. You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for your free account. You don't even need a credit card to get started. Just start an account and begin using them to sort of, pre-conceptualize and imagine what your next project could be like. And you can even save the, the new images that you find to your light box. If you decide you want to purchase, you can uh, use the offer code TWIP4. It's a special code for us. It's TWIP4. And new accounts will receive 30% off of any package. That's Shutterstock.com. And get 30% off new accounts. Just use the offer code TWIP4. And thank you, Shutterstock, for supporting this week in photo. Now back to our show. So, guys, let's, we're we're getting short on time, but I wanted I want to jump into the, our new segment, which is the critique of the week. We've got a couple of images queued up to get you guys to comment on. Darlene, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this first one to you. It's from Kevin Brown, Twip listener, and uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna let you 
let me bring up the image here. I'm going to let you tell us, first of all, what you think of this image from Kevin Brown. So keep in mind that this is a audio podcast, so be as descriptive <laughs> as you can. <laughs> okay. But, but also, you know, the people that are watching this in the Hangout and in the YouTube uh, video recording will be able to see the images. So go ahead. Go for it. What do you think of this image? Describe well, my... the image. Describe it first okay. and then tell us what you think. Okay. Well, it is a mountain scenic. I'm assuming it's Yosemite Valley or something. It looks like a, it is. Yeah. a similar similar scene that Ansel Adams would have photographed. Yep. Um, it's, it looks like a false scene. There's a yellow tree and some orange sort of grass in the foreground and some evergreens and some nice puffy white clouds. How's that for a description? Yeah, that's perfect. And we've, and we've got some really nice uh, a color scheme actually going on. So that plays into our conversation from earlier. Because one of the things I was going to mention about this image is first, when I first saw it, it, it struck me as very pleasing because of that color balance that Martin uh, was talking about earlier. It has complementary colors. The yellow and oranges of the tree balance really nicely with the mountain, which is very blue and some purple tones in the shadows. Um, and they're, they're opposite. Uh, the green plays in well sort of as a nice side tone. Uh, I think it's an HDR, I would guess, because of the detail that's being pulled out of the shadows. Mm -hmm. It's fairly well done. There's a lot of detail. It's, it's pleasing. Um, I also see a lot of triangles happening, and I, I love seeing shapes in images. The tree itself South, the, the orange tree makes a nice triangle. Mm -hmm. The mountain peak makes a nice triangle. You can play with some clouds that are in, into triangular shapes, the one that's in front of the mountain. Um, so the, the repetition of the shape really keeps my eye going back and forth between the tree and the mountain. So the play back and forth is really nice. I think it's a pleasing image. It's fairly well done. My only comments for any improvement on it would be that the yellow orange grass in the foreground has gone slightly slightly a little oversaturated for my taste so maybe just toning it down with a little vignette on the bottom would do do nicely and the top right corner the sky's gone a little muddy like a little grayish which kind of gives me that hint that it was an HDR mm -hmm. um, tone map to some kind so maybe masking back in one of the single sky images or just um, lightening that sky up a little bit but the t they've kept the detail everywhere and it's um, a quite a pleasing it makes it makes me feel comfortable Nice. I like that. That's a, if you sum it up into word, it would be comfortable. Yeah. Nice. All right. Martin Bailey, you're looking at the same image. I want to get your thoughts on the overall image first, but then also, do you think this one would be a candidate to print big? Um, I, yeah, my overall, I, I, I'm, to save on time, I'm not going to go through all, the, all of the stuff that Darlene just said. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, the the, the foreground Ground colors to me. I mean, I, I like heavily saturated images, so I don't mind that so much. Um, the only thing that I would have suggested for um, improvement, uh, I, I love the image. I think it's it's spectacular. So I I should say that. But I I think that I don't know if I'm getting the feeling that it's an HDR. I was thinking more that it was it was done with a neutral grad, and it's a bit too heavy on the top. Um, I can see the line across the top of the trees uh, uh, behind Big Dome, I think, it, uh, Half Dome. Um, and I I think that the sky is just a tad too dark. Um, so whether it's been done in post, it, it could be an HDR, uh, but uh, if, it's, if it's a straight image, um, then it's either been done in post or with a, with a neutral grad in the field. Uh, but I think it's just a little bit too heavy on the sky. It's a bit too dark in the top right, uh, and then a, 
it looks as though there was a neutral grad that was put at an angle pretty much along the top of the line of the trees in the distance. Um, yeah. But it's a little, yeah, that, it does feel a little bit too dark to me, but it's, it's overall, it's a spectacular image. I love it. And uh, I think as far as printing big, yeah, I'd love to print this at like, um, assuming that there's enough megapixels to make a reasonably large print, I'd love to see this at, th at two by three feet or even larger. Um, and just sort of, then you could really just, you know, stand in front of it and delve into the details because it is a very detailed, beautiful image. Yeah, love it. Perfect. Great comments. Sarah, what, what do you think about this? I mean, is, a, is this a successful image, do you think? Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Um, I agree with everything that they said. Um, for sure, I, I think I'm a little more, I'm not really into as much saturation too, so I'm a little more on Darlene's side on the front um, bottom uh, portion with the grass. And I... Um, the only thing I feel like it's missing is a bride and a groom right next to the tree, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I was going to say that. I was going to say it would be great with a model like yeah, right between those trees. I, just, you know? I have a really hard time seeing images without a bride and groom in it. It's <laughs> Landscape images are like so, so beautiful to me, but I'm just like, I see the empty space between that beautiful tree and like right next to it. And I'm just like, where's the bride? <laughs> I don't understand. Why is she hiding? Tell There's her to come Photoshop. out. It's time There's to always... run through the field. Yeah. Love it. Um, yeah. Very, great job, Kevin. I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful shot. You should be really proud of it. I agree. I agree. My only comment, I agree with all you guys on that. My only negative comment of this image, I agree with Martin on the, the kind of the overdoneness of the, uh, the, uh, the sky, the neutral grad or whatever they did on the sky is over, is slightly overdone only because I can tell it's there. Um, yeah. And then the other piece of it, it's like plastic surgery, right? If you can tell that someone has had plastic surgery, they've done it wrong. So it's like, same with retouching. Um, but the other thing is I'm not a fan of watermarks. And having the name on there, is it kind of takes away from it because I'm, like, looking at it. Whenever I see watermarks like that, I think of Trey Radcliffe and him, you know, Trey putting up those giant images online with a no watermarking. And every now and then I see a Trey image. I'm like, you know what? That's going to be my desktop for the next week, you know? And I make it my desktop so I can check it out all the time. This image, I would have loved to make this my desktop, but I can't because I don't want to be looking at Kevin's name all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with his name, but it just it takes away from the image. So that would be that would be my my feedback on this image. Yeah, yeah, but Kevin's got his name in front of your entire audience right now. So yes, <laughs> that's good marketing. And you just pointed it out for everyone. Excellent it works job. now. Yeah, Kevin. Job Brown. well done, Kevin. Kevin, you're you're you know you got your five minutes right there. Well, I was gonna All say right. maybe Sarah wants to contact him and buy that image and make it a, a background for composites. <laughs> Sarah, you know what you can do? do? Sarah, have that yeah. print, have that pin it printed large on canvas and put it in your studio as a background. And <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I don't Olin do Mills. that. Okay. There you go, Olin Mills. All right, guys, um, I wanted to get to this next image, but we're, we're running out of time, so I want to get to the listener Q&A really quick Aww. and your picks. Can we so, just say that we love can we it? Show, can we show it? I got do it. Do you want me to show it? You guys yeah. want to do it? It's so, okay. it's so yeah. cool. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Democracy. We'll, we, yeah. we can do this image, or we can okay. do the Q&A. Uh, but we can't do both. Which would you rather? But we do? don't critique it. We just show it and say that it's cool. Because I don't I got really. It on my, I got it on my screen right there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Perfect. All right. Let me lock it on you. Okay. Go for it, Darlene. You go first. What do you think of this image? First, describe the image. I... You know the routine. Okay. 
it's it's an industrial type image. A guy is banging something with a hammer. It looks like something that's been in the fire, some sort of uh, forging something, and there's sparks flying. There's a motion from the hammer. Um, I think it's a really cool image. We have those complementary colors again. Did you pick these images on purpose? Did you know we were going to talk color swatches today? For hey, Patrick, our show notes writer, <laughs> picked these. So <laughs> My only comment would be that the light is coming from the right and lighting up his hand and his wrist and I'd like to see less of the hand be important and more of sort of the hammer maybe backlighting it but I think it's really dramatic and um, for an industrial image you have to usually try and make something that's really boring look interesting and I think he's really done that well. Nice. I like it. Cool. Perfect. All right, Martin. What's the, the yeah. image? Guy Same. striking something, it, sparks flying. Go for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the sparks are great. I love the image again. Uh, and again, ditto on what Darlene's saying. That I, uh, I, I think that the hand is a little bit uh, too prominent. Um, the, the color balance uh, seems a little bit weird, uh, the, the way that the color, the color of the light on the hand. Um, it, it almost made me think that I wanted to get rid of the color altogether and go, try a black and white. Oh, I think okay. a nice earthy black and white on this would be beautiful um, because it would it would stop you your your eye going to the color of the hand. Um, it, it would be a shame to lose the blues and the and the gold of the the metal and the sparks, but I I think a black and white here uh, would look spectacular. Very cool. All right, perfect. And Sarah, your thoughts um, on the hammer striking and making sparks. I love the color on this, so I think I would stick with the color, but maybe select the hand and and make the hand color more natural. It just looks kind of blue, which I think is what you know part of it part of it is. But I when I saw the shot, I was like, "Rad, that looks really cool." I think it's just because, you know, obviously I'd I'd love to see like a wedding ring or something down there. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, no, she's fixating. Sarah, myopic much? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was really, I mean, you guys brought my attention to the hand. I just saw the really cool hammer and the love, the colors. I love, love, love that blue and the, and the like bright yellow gold, just like flying out. So cool. Yeah. Martin, with this, with all that saturation and the, the sort of swing from blue to, you know, those warms in there, could mm. this be printed accurately or would they have to do some magic in there to get it to print nicely? I think as long as you're creating a quality a quality ICC profile, you'd you'd get a good print of this. The um, the there doesn't look. I, I don't see anything in there that would make me worry about it. I, I I would probably just soft proof it quickly to see if everything's in gamut. But the yeah the the colors don't look anything that would cause too much of a problem. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, and I agree with all you guys. I mean, I I really like that image. And in fact, uh, we are. Um, a TWIP listener, Craig, um, is putting together a meetup group <clears throat> for the Bay Area. We're reintroducing the meetups, and we may be doing some shots like this that, in the meetup live, but with the difference of not having whatever he's hitting with the hammer making sparks. We may have a live model there, and we may be shooting sparks at her. So kind of kind of thing. We'll we'll have the fire department on hand and bandages and Neil Sporin and all that. <laughs> well, you know who knows. All right, guys, let's get into the picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys can pick anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Darlene Hildebrandt, herviewphotography.com. You go first. What's your pick of the week? 
I got my Nifty 50. So it's one of my, my favorite lenses recently. It's my Canon 51.8. And I, I get a lot of questions from my students who are beginners. They've got, you know, their beginner Canon EOS Rebel or their entry-level Nikon, whatever version that is. And yeah. they've got their kit lens. And a lot of questions I get is, what lens do I buy next? And for most part, it's a major purchase to go upgrade to, you know, an L-series lens or, you know, a 2.8 zoom. And I recommend this one for a number of reasons. Number one, a Canon lens is about 120 bucks. You know, you can usually get it on sale for about 100 bucks sometimes. Yeah. It's, it weighs nothing. It's like an ounce, if, if that. And it's, it's got that super big aperture, right? So if you've got a kit lens and your biggest aperture is, you know, 5.6, You've got 1.8 on here. You've got tons more light, which allows you to get either a faster shutter speed or a lower ISO, and you're going to increase the quality of your of your images that way in sharpness in the sharpness area. But one of the big things I like to tell people to do with this when they're first starting out is is to put this on and go for a photo walk and just use this lens, right? Because what it does is I thought a lot about this recently because you know in the old in the old days of film, back in the day, mm -hmm. I didn't have zoom lenses. You know, my Hasselblad didn't have zoom lenses. And then when I switched to 35mm, I didn't have zoom lenses. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we went crazy about zoom lenses. And I find that if we slow down, put on one lens, this will make you be more creative because you have to think outside the box. And you have something else that you can zoom with, which is called your feet. Zoom with so your feet. Love that's it. my pick for the week, my Nifty 50 Canon lens. Very cool. And how much was that again? What's the price point? The Canon version is like 125 bucks or something like that. Nothing. I mean, and, and it's great for traveling because it's it's so light. And if you're in a low light situation, it's perfect. Yeah, 125 bucks. That's like two Starbucks coffees or something. That's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, Sarah France, what is your pick of the week? Um, my pick of a week week is actually an iPhone app that just came out recently, and it's called Pick Tap Go. Pick P I C Tap T A P Go G O. Got have it. you guys used this? I have it's not. It's awesome. Used it. No, I'm oh going my gosh. to the app you're store right fall, now. You're gonna fall in love with it. It's like my favorite. <laughs> so, um, I I like to tell everyone about it because I'm like, dude, I've been waiting for an app like this that actually did all those things I really I wanted it to do. So it's by um. It's by Totally Rad Actions. They do action sets, and they're amazing. Yep, that's it. You got it. And um, they actually took everything they knew from, from creating actions and put it into creating this iPhone app. So it's got all the cool, like, actions that are similar to everything you'd find in their action sets. Yeah. But the cool thing is is that you can take an action and then dial it back. So with every single one of the actions – you can not only take an action and dial it back, but you can also take it and um, add another one on top of it. So you can layer actions on top of each other, and then you can save the um, action that you or like kind of the layers that you created as a new action under recipes. Oh, so as you like start to create new ones, then you can even share the recipes with other tip or pick tap go users so um that's amazing but the other really cool thing with it is that you can send it out to um instagram obviously no big deal right mm -hmm. but they've made it so that not only can you send a square version you can also send one with white space on on top or 
right and left or top and bottom, depending on you know how you want it, how the how the image is. So you don't have to make the image square like Instagram always wants, and it still looks clean and seamless. Does that make sense? How that works? Yeah, that makes sense. How much how much does this thing cost, darling? You just bought it, right? What I just is... bought it. It's ninety nine cents. I already just installed oh, it. Oh, uh, I was I gonna know. tell you not to say that. That's they they it's a it's a it's actually a dollar ninety nine by the time that this runs. Sorry. Oh, guys. No. Um, oh no unless you're know, watching I this hoping, live. I wasn't right? even I wasn't even yeah, if you're watching this live, go get it right now because for the next like forty eight hours or so, um I think for two more days, I think that was including today. So today and tomorrow it's ninety nine cents and then it's a dollar ninety nine. Um but and Martin the best bought it too, two look at this. Bucks you could ever spend. Like I'm so I'm so loving it. I, I posted a little like before and after photo of um of a dog, of course, because that's what I Instagram mostly. I'm kidding. Follow me on Instagram. I Instagram the coolest stuff. I am going to buy it. I'm going to buy it after the show, I swear. I'm going to get it. Yeah. Because I want to save that 99 cents. It's not, it's not, you know. Yeah, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) 99 cents. (laughs) Exactly. And you can still go to everything else. You can, like, save the camera roll and all that. And it actually saves, I noticed in um, in my camera roll, it made its own folder for um, for the finished photos, it actually put them all in its own folder too, and Twitter nice. and Facebook and all those places. All right, well, pick oh, tap yeah. go at pick p i c t a p go dot com, and we'll definitely link over to that in the show notes for this episode. And we've all we'll have all bought it by the time you hear this, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, Martin, what is your pick of the week that we foreshadowed at the beginning of the show? Yeah, I um. I'm really happy to have a couple of articles in the new free Craft and Vision ebook. It's it's called Craft and Vision Two, and there are nine articles from six photographers. Uh, so I've I've got a couple in there. David Dusherman's got a, a couple. We've got them from uh, Piet van van den van den Eend. Uh, I always get that. I always get this guy's name wrong. Uh, Piet van den Eend. And Nicolzi's got an article in there, Dave Delnier, uh, Sean McCormack. And it's a great, it's another one of those, um, you know, just multiple photographers. I think it's 45 pages long and it's, and it's free. You know, it's, it's very rare that you get me telling, uh, doing a, a pick of the week that costs zero dollars, but this yeah. one does. And it's one of the, it's probably the best zero dollars that you could spend uh, to, to help you improve your photography. So, yeah, and uh, I downloaded yeah. it. This is not like it's, you know, you think, oh, it's free, you download it, it's going to be like seven pages long and, you know, with coupons in the back to buy other stuff. No, it's, this is a hefty ebook. This is, yeah. this is, yeah, I mean, it's real with beautiful images in there and it's laid out in that whole craft and vision because David has this, you know, this almost Apple-like aesthetic about how he does things from the site all the way through to the layout of the book. So, yeah. yeah. For zero dollars, it's it's a steal. You know? yeah. And there's actually there's there's a an offer in there that that saves you money on uh, on other books as well. So it's almost like a, a voucher to get other fr- not free but uh, cheap stuff. So yeah, Craft and Vision. Even if you even if you don't um, you don't buy anything else, you can get this and read it and, and improve your photography for free. No, Martin, is your book your book? Uh, what's what's your book called? Making the print. Is that one still yeah. in the store? Yeah, that's still in the store. That's uh, that's one of their best sellers. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been very popular. Um, I'm hoping that my second book that will be out uh, this you know later this year will sell as well. So, 
It's, cool. uh, I'm not going to tell you what it's about yet, but the uh, one of the articles in this free free book is is like a preview. Oh, okay, all right. So that's coming when later this year. Later this year, yeah. I've got to get it. I've got to get the finished book in by May first, and I, you know, they'll take a month or two after that probably to to get it ready for release. Okay. All right, guys. And quickly, uh, my pick of the week is called Pressgram. Uh, so this is a this is a Kickstarter project, and if you're familiar with Instagram, which we all are, this is a verse kind of a a Instagram that you install on your WordPress site. Um, they've got he's got, he's got a ton of videos on his Kickstarter page, so I encourage you to check him out and support him. I'm already supporting. Uh, I threw some money in there because I actually want to see how this works. I'm a big fan of WordPress, and I kind of like Instagram, so <laughs> why not? I'm going to try it out and see if it works. He's at he's only got four days to go on his Instagram. So by the time you listen to this, he'll have two days to go on his Instagram. Um, he's got 387 backers, and he's already raised 44552 bucks, but he needs to get to 50000 So if you listen to this, go check out his Kickstarter page and support him. Help him get across the, uh, get across the edge. Looks, uh, looks pretty cool. I'd be, uh, I'm interested in playing with this thing once it goes live. So, All right. Oh, hey, Frederick. Yes. Uh, another frequent co-host, our friend Don Komarichka, just yeah. had his book funded. He made his yes. goal. Yes, right. I forgot about that. Don's uh, Don Snowflake book made it across the finish line, which means I'll Yay. get one. I... Yay, <laughs> me too. That's awesome. That's cool. So congratulations, Don Komarichka, on getting your, your – it's not a Kickstarter project. It's a – Canadian version of Kickstarter, right? Oh, I can't remember the name, but I know he made his goal because I got the email the other day. So Yes, yes. Well, congratulations, Don. And, uh, yeah, hurry up and get that thing done. I want my book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Well, we're at the end of, another, uh, end of another episode, guys. So, Darlene, quickly, where can people go to, you know, find out about the workshops that you're doing, get learned by you, or see your work? They can find me at herviewphotography.com currently. Um, again, my teaser, I'll be working on a new site, hopefully up by June-ish, but I'm not going to give away all the details yet. Uh, they can find me on Google+, and mm. Twitter is ProPhotoTutor. ProPhotoTutor. We'll get that right in the, uh, the tweets for this. I fixed it. <laughs> okay, cool. And Ms. Sarah France. Sarah France, where can people go to check out your work and all of your beautiful images that all have brides in them? <laughs> Every <laughs> single one. Um, you can always go to my website, sarahfrance.com. I'm on Facebook. I have a page and a personal page, so Sarah France Photography there. And um, Twitter, I mean, I'm everywhere, so just use my name. Not very many people have it. It's Sarah without an H, Sarah France. Awesome. And Very call cool. me if you have any weddings that you you need a photographer for, because apparently I like to shoot brides. <laughs> and I love TWIP listeners. Can I just say I got another call from a TWIP listener whose daughter is getting married oh. and um, wants me to shoot their uh, shoot the wedding. I'm like, that's awesome. And they're usually there like techie, photography savvy people. I'm like, you are my kind of people. I love it. Yeah, but see, that's interesting because normally you think that people that listen to This Week in Photo are photographers, but you're getting clients, so that's, that's yeah. perfect. Well, they're yeah. usually uh, – well, the ones I found are like they're photographers but maybe not professional photographers and yeah. definitely don't want to shoot their own wedding or shoot you know, their daughter's yeah. wedding. So, I know. I wouldn't um, shoot my so own those, are the, those are my favorite. Those are my favorite kinds of clients. Yeah, come, come. 
Excellent. All right. And Mr. Martin Bailey, where can people go to connect and see your amazing work? Uh, everything is linked from the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. So if you go over there, it's links to all of the social media, my workshops and tours site, my portfolio, and my blog, uh, my podcast. Uh, that's all up there. So yeah, awesome. just go to martinbaileyphotography.com. Perfect. All right. And listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can almost fell off my chair. <laughs> we got to see that. Sorry. Podcasters didn't get to see it. I'm like trying to be all cool, leaning forward, and my chair almost fell off. All right. Let me try that again. All right. If you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. And don't forget to enter our transporter giveaway contest. You'll find a link to that in the blog post for this episode. And also, please join our community on Google Plus and consider submitting an image for our amazing critique of the week. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at mediabytes.com or at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. Okay, I'm here sitting with Jay and Verena Patel. Actually, Verena and Jay Patel. <laughs> Got to switch That's that around. Right. Thank That's you. Right. I'm going to get corrected job. later. And uh, <laughs> they are. You, if you've been on Google Plus or online any for any length of time, you know these guys. They are the one-two punch or the husband and wife team that travels the world taking amazing f- photographs and they have a website where they're doing some cool tutorials and PDFs and all this other cool stuff. So they're contributors to the photography ecosphere in a big way. And they've agreed to come on This Week in Photo and sort of share with me how they got started and all that, how it's all going, and maybe even share some tips on how you can manage a basketball team worth of children <laughs> as well as travel the world. <laughs> it's a take... soccer team. I okay, want to point that out. Yeah. A soccer team, yeah. yes. We don't have soccer. a basketball team. Not yet. We're not, we're we're not that tall. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you. Thanks for coming on. It's it's a pleasure. This is this is the second time that, that we've chatted like this, but the uh, the first time we did some video tutorials that weren't good to put in the audio podcast because we were showing things on screen. But now I thought, you know, you, I got to get you guys in front of the this week in photo audience. So thanks for agreeing to come on. And uh, thanks and- so much for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. We we love talking with you. You're welcome. And I do recognize how how hard it is for you guys to come on at. At, what is it, 9.15 p.m. on the East Coast with a soccer team full of kids over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tie them all to it, to in bed, make sure they don't get tied out. Them? Did you say we tied them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you to crack out, did you crack out the Tylenol p.m. to get them to... The... They're all gagged and bound upstairs. Nice, I love it. All right. The reality is we've done this so many times that they're all used to it. They said, oh, shh, mom and dad are going to be on the TV or, or on radio shows. So. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. That's cool. That's good. You got them, you got them trained. They're so, Verena, let's, let's start with you. Let's start with okay. you. So, mm-hmm. before, you know, let's start with your history and how you got passionate about becoming a photographer. I've seen your work. It's amazing. You know what you're doing mm-hmm. inside and out. So, how did you get from not knowing yeah you know, when did when did your photography career start and how did you get to where you are today 
Um, well, I started um, shooting when I was a kid. My dad used to let me use his uh, his camera, his little Pentax K1000, and uh, I loved it. I mean, from the day I, I took my first photograph, I just loved it. I, I did classes in school. I um, majored in art in college uh, for a short time before I realized that that was a really um, sort of uh, pointless <laughs> career <laughs> choice. I don't know. Um, and then uh, eventually I, I changed my major a couple of times. I actually graduated with a degree in information technology, which has helped um, build my, uh, you know, my knowledge of computers. And it, it means I can build my own website. It means that I understand the digital part of digital photography, which is great. Um, and uh, I also have some background in language arts, which helps with my, uh, my with my writing. Yeah. Um, you know, for the blog, for the ebooks, and all that stuff. So that really helps. Um, but as as far as photography is concerned, it's something that I've loved my whole life. Um, I went pro in 2005. I started out shooting interiors for a hotel chain, um, which I did not love. <laughs> at in, all. So in interiors <laughs> meaning sort of architectural photography or hotel rooms. Just hotel rooms. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, w I would photograph the lobby at three o'clock in the morning because that's the only time a hotel lobby is truly empty of people. Right. Um, you know, I'd be setting up at midnight and then the convention across the street would open up and uh, the lobby would be packed again. And so I'd be sitting there, you know, in my high heels and with my with all my gear and just waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> and exhausted. Waiting for them to clear out. You could have just done like a yeah. long exposure, right? And just No, like... <laughs> I, I wasn't allowed to shoot until there were no guests in the lobby. If there were guests in the lobby, I had to um, pretend I didn't exist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I had to be dressed very, very nicely while pretending I didn't exist. Wow. So you're hanging you made you made best friends with the hotel staff, right? So. Yes. I got to know them all very, very well. <laughs> a little too well. Wow. Okay, so then, then yeah. fast forward fast forward to today. So yeah. what what would you say defines your individual style as a photographer? Is it like oversaturated color you know, colors, <laughs> no. square cropping, or you know, what, what what would you say is you? I think my, my style at this point is minimalistic. I am a, a minimalist photographer. I look for the simplest things. A lot of people try and include, uh, you know, the flowers and the mountains and the sunset and the, the river in their, in their photograph. I make four photographs instead. And, and I say, you know, this photograph is about this water droplet on this leaf. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's about green or, or whatever it is. Nice. Um, I simplify the, the photo to the point where it feels, uh, to me at least, like the essence of whatever it is I'm shooting. So that, that's sort of my goal, and it's, it's a challenge for me, which I love. As, as soon as it's not a challenge anymore, I'll have to go find some other, some other style. Then you're going back to hotel <laughs> photography, because then, you know. That's right. Yeah, I, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Jay, Jay, let's jump over to you. So same question. When, in the beginning, how did, how did you get bitten by that whole photography bug, and what drove you into sort of making this your passion and your you know career in a lot of ways? Well, um, I wanted to do photography when I was in high school. So right out of the high school, I had a few hundred dollars saved up, and I wanted to go get a camera. And at that time, Canon A1 was top of the line. So I went and tried to go get that camera. And um, 
for whatever reason, the guy who was selling the camera sold it to somebody else. Now, yeah. at the time, remember, I used to live in India, so opportunities to purchase a camera was very limited. Um, and oh, only if somebody happened to have one, would you get it? Yeah. Uh, the development at the time was um, pretty much non-existent where I lived. In fact, we had to to send our prints out, the color prints out to a different city to get developed. Now wow. you can get black and white uh, development uh, equipment around and you can rent some space to do it. But that was about it. And then um, I decided to come to US to go to school, college here. And like every other college student, I was broke and didn't have any money and forget the photography. I needed to pay my bills <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I got involved. And so everything got on, put on back burner for about a decade. And then um, when Kodak introduced its first DCS camera, I was again fascinated by this time I was working. And I started reading about it and reading about it. And then pretty soon the small point and shoot started to appear. And then in 1997, I got my first point and shoot. And the primary reason for me to get a camera was I wanted to learn, plus uh, my son was born. So I want to take pictures of him. So he's yeah. like, okay, let's invest in a digital camera at that point in time. Yep. Only in a couple of years, I, I got tired of the point and shoots. You can only do so much. And I sold it and I got my first DSLR in 2001. Wow. And after that, I looked through the viewfinder of DSLR and the lenses and things because my point and shoot was very limited. And I said, that's it. This is, this is what I was meant to do. And at that time, even uh, my son and I were into hiking and, and backpacking and things, outdoor things. And landscape photography sort of went along with it. And after 2001, 2002, um, I started developing more technical interest in photography. And if I showed you any of my photos from that time, they, they just suck. They, I just tell you right now. Just that, like that's that's, sort of, that's a rite of passage. We all, we all <laughs> And then by the time three, four years go by, I get pretty good. 2005 is when I started doing my first workshops. And then uh, somehow run, I ran into Verena at a photography club meeting and then we started doing things together and uh, I became the fall guy and she's the superstar. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Batman and Robin. I don't know how that goes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm Batman. He's Robin. You do? Okay. Got it. <laughs> so Jay, Jay, how would, how would you define your style? You know, now that you've gone through that rite of passage, how would you, how would you say, okay, this is what defines me as a photographer. If you look at a photo you can tell it's mined by X. What would that X be? The X would be the dramatic light. I just love to shoot when the light is crazy, fantastic skies. Yeah. And in a lot of times, I will actually wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, travel four hours, hike three hours, and get to that sunrise spot that I want to yeah. without even thinking about it. I can do it day after day, week after week, until I get that shot. So yeah, my style is very exactly opposite. Very nice, like single drop on a single leaf in a single color. Mine is like everything in the sky and just my photos scream out, just look at me. Yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> all about cool. me. <laughs> that, that, it's all, yeah, there you go. That's the name of the business. It's all about me photography. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you guys have established that. So you, 
you have individual unique styles. You met mm -hmm. and now you're sort of working together. You have a website, which I want to talk about in a minute. But mm -hmm. when you when you guys like I mentioned in the beginning, you're you're traveling a lot. So a lot of the, your or most of your images are taken all over the planet and all these beautiful places with dramatic light, like you were saying, Jay. So how how do you manage that? Like what's what's your flow for managing getting to those places? Are is it are you tacking on to something else or are these purpose built trips to go take photos? What's how do you manage that stuff? Uh, Marina, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, you know what? It just depends on on uh, what's going on at that time. Most of the time, when we take a trip, um, it's planned well in advance. We know exactly where we're going um, to a point. Um, yeah. And and the reason I say that is because we'll we'll arrive on location and uh, we have a we have a plan laid out, but it's the most flexible plan ever because if the light is better in the east we're heading east if it's better in the west we're heading west um, and so you know our, our plans are constantly changing they're very fluid depending on the weather the the tides the uh, the moon you know yeah. um, all those things and so we'll make decisions based on that but um, yeah I mean a, a lot of times we will take just a three or four day trip because we simply don't have time uh, for something longer than that and then if we're teaching a workshop or uh, something like that then we will tack on three or four days before um, and and shoot and scout and then teach and then maybe shoot one more time before we have to run and catch the plane to get home. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's key because a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm a photographer. I'm going to tack on, like, my job is going to send me to Japan, so I'm going to mm -hmm. shoot while I'm there. But then, and this is me talking about me, um, <laughs> what, what ends up happening is you get there and you don't tack on that extra time specifically for photography and you end yeah. up, you know, well, okay, my meetings are done, and now the sun's going down, so I can't do any shots, and you just, it's depressing, right? Yeah, so right. you're true. saying do some, put some purpose-built time, either either bookend it on either side or at least on one side, so exactly. that you can you can get the photography done. Exactly. Plus, we we also are very efficient at spending our time. Um, so, for example, um, we will never say that, hey, um, we're going here. What's there to shoot? Mm -hmm. The way we will approach it is, we have some time in May, what's the best place to go shoot? Mm -hmm. So when we go shoot on a trip, there are very few times where we'll come back with no images. Okay, so you're, you're looking at the time of month or the time of the year and specifically targeting the best location to do that. You're not saying, you know what, we haven't been to Iceland before. We haven't been to Greenland. Let's go to Greenland right. and then figure it out from there. And when you get there, it may be off-season. You've right. already done that back planning to know that, okay, these are the good months to be in that area. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we sorry, Jay. <laughs> We're trying to maximize the time that we have. We, we simply do not have the time to, um, to do it that way, to say, hey, we want to go to Greenland, let's, let's go, and then go and then discover that, oops, we should have been – you know, Southern know. Hemisphere instead of Northern Hemisphere. We can't do that. Yeah. Well, Verena, take me through that. So what's the plan? Like, notch it down to another level of detail. So let's take Greenland, for example. You guys have been there. So no. <laughs> you have been to Greenland. Iceland. Iceland. You've been well, to Iceland. We have Iceland. been to Iceland, yes. You've been to Iceland. So let's take yeah. the Iceland trip that you went on. Um, okay. So when you guys made the decision, so you got through the process and you made the decision to go to Iceland, mm -hmm. What does that itinerary look like? And what does your gear that you decide to take look like? What Take me inside that that sort of place when you're planning to go on an international trip, specifically mm -hmm. for photography. What happens? 
Um, well, the last time we went to Iceland, we actually went with a, a whole group of photographers, a group of our good friends. It was an amazing trip, uh, very difficult, but an amazing trip. Um, and we actually have a, another trip this summer coming up um, where just the two of us will be in Iceland. And our plan is to go all the way around um, the island. Whether or not we make it around the island will depend upon, you know, whether we decide we want to make it around the island or if we want to stick uh, stick with where we are. But basically what we do is is we talk about the locations we want to visit pretty much year-round. We're always saying, oh, you know what, I, I want to go to Fiji or I want to you know, <laughs> pick, a, pick a spot. We want to go to all those spots. But yeah, yeah. Um, And then when we have an opening, uh, you know, we look at it and we say, okay, well, we have a couple of, of weeks in the summer where we may be able to travel. Um, where are the locations that are good for that? If we choose Iceland in that case, then we start talking about um, the locations we want to visit on the island. And we go into Google, we start doing searches, we look at um, we look at the, the trails that we want to hike, we look at the locations we want to photograph, we're looking at other photographers' photos, we will contact um, Icelandic photographers and say, hey, what do you guys recommend? Um, you know, we're, we're looking at if, if there are national parks in the region, we'll, we'll look into those and see what's there. Um, one of the great things that you can do uh, is, is um, to find photographs online. When you uh, take a look at those photographs and say, oh, wow, I really want to shoot something like that, contact that photographer. It's amazing how many of them are willing to talk to you and, and excited to tell about where they've been and, yeah. and uh, you know, maybe even meet up with you for lunch. You know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We need a lot of photographers that way. But we also take it a little further from a perspective of, uh, we look at the, the time available in Iceland. So we mm -hmm. decided to go in summer because Iceland's far, so far north that the light um, in the summer is such that it never really gets that dark. The sun kind of goes low in the sky, it gets a sort of twilight, and then, so our shooting location and the shooting times will dramatically expand over 15 minutes of sunrise in, say, North America, for example. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a much longer period of time where the sun is close to the horizon. Right. That's awesome right. for a yeah. photographer, you know? Right. So <laughs> we look at things like that. Now, if you're, if you're going to, a, in Iceland, if you go to, say, um, a beach, we will look at uh, local geography of the beach, the terrain and whether the terrain is suitable for low tide or high tide. Mm -hmm. So based on that, we will make a decision, what is the best time to go to that beach mm -hmm. in Iceland? Yeah. So it, it kind of breaks down as to the, the time of the year, what's the best location to visit, then from the location, what are the best places to go, and then what kind of light do we expect to get? Mm -hmm. See, that that's key, and I think a lot of photographers, myself included, uh, skip that step and they you know we go in with a military sort of mindset saying okay let me bring all the gear that I could possibly bring that will let me cover any eventuality and <laughs> and I'll get something when I get there you guys plan for the shot you know knowing that mm -hmm. okay you put yourself in the right put the circumstances in such that you're going to get a good shot so mm -hmm. you don't there's no there's there's less chance in there Right. Yeah, we certainly try to do that. We try to really stack the odds in our favor. Yeah. So then, Simply okay. because we don't have the freedom not to. But how do, when you stack the odds in your favor, how does that pertain to gear? So does it mean that you're going to bring less gear because you know you kind of have in your mind the shots that you're going to do? So I really only need my 14 mil, you know, so right. I can... No. I can really <laughs> no, we never do that. No, <laughs> no we don't. By the way, our gear, gear selection works is... Um, 
remember the majority of the cost of this trip is in travel itself. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we have learned from the past experience, especially from Iceland is to always have backup gear. So one thing we will always do is each of us will carry one backup camera in case something happens to one of them. Okay. Yeah. Then we will. Because that's never to... happened before. You guys have never, <laughs> you never lost. No, it has never happened. Of course again. not. Never no. got, never <laughs> got caught by rogue waves or anything, right? <laughs> no, nothing like that. And certainly not in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, just a slight segue. But we're joking because when we had sushi that one day, you guys were telling me about this witch that tried to get you <laughs> <Yeah>. both. <laughs> that's right, the sea witch. We, we the sea we witch of Iceland. The witch. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to kill We'll have to talk about that story. Needs, yeah, yeah. Which needs to sacrifice a camera. We always have a backup camera. <laughs> right. right. But from a lens perspective, um, what we do is we both carry three or four lenses each, okay. and uh, we both shoot the same system. So we both shoot Canon. So what we'll do is we'll make sure that none of our focal length or capabilities of our lenses overlap. Okay. So we will have, say, if I have a tilt shift lens, then Marina will carry a macro. If I have a long zoom lens, Marina will have um, a wide angle lens. If I have a wide angle lens for my crop body, she will have a wide angle lens for a full frame body. Okay. Uh, then we will have some fast lenses uh, that are capable of taking very low light photographs. So when we decide on a gear, we always have this sort of spread out uh, the gear from lens perspective that is um, will cover any kind of situation we want okay. Uh, okay, or we possibly can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we will never have a shot pre-planned in our mind. We will always have a location and conditions that we want to visit. So, oh, And then okay. when we get there, we will say, what lens do you use? So we'll never go and say, I'm always going to shoot with 14 mil. That's never, yeah. never our approach. That, that would drive me nuts. I'd get there and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need my macro. Right. Yeah, at home on the desk, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, so no, no. Do, I, we do, you guys, do you guys bring the, the, the family with you or is it just uh, you two going or how does that piece work? We would love to be able to take all the kids on every trip, but it's just not realistic. You need a private um, plane. You need a you know, private yeah. plane. Yeah, That's we'd it. need a private yes. plane. We'd need a private bank account, which was very, very large. Yeah, and, a Swiss um, bank account. Right. And you know what? When when the kids do travel with us, and we do take them on a, a big trip uh, every other year and a smaller trip on, on alternating years, but um, when they're with us, we really want to just be able to focus on the kids. We want to be able to take them, you know, to see the geyser or take them to the ocean and, and if we're out there with our cameras, you know, the fact is we're we're focused on something other than our children, yeah. and so that that's just not fair to them. Um, we do take our cameras with us on vacation. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we're more interested than in in photographing our children in front of Old Faithful or in front of uh, Mount St. Helens or whatever it is. You know, so. That so what happens fun. when you when you guys? So you're let's let's fast forward. You've you've planned the trip. You've gone. You've, you've got the photographs. You've come back home. What happens to these shots? Are they going on the microstock sites? Are you selling prints? Are you making tutorials from them? What What's the purpose of these images other than, hey, Jay, look what I shot, or hey, Verena, look what I shot? <laughs> well, we do that first. Yeah. <laughs> that always happens in the field way before it goes yeah. home. Yeah. It, it's sort of the flipping through in the back of the camera. My shot's better than your shot. No, exactly. my shot's better yeah. than your shot. I would have shot that with a wide. I don't know what you were you thinking. Are... Yeah, I know it's better. 
yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so the question about what happens to the shot is yeah. uh, is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, primary focus for business is education, like you said in mm-hmm. the beginning, right? So um, there are some shots we will take just for educational purposes. And a lot of times we'll take comparative shots for educational purposes and do this or this and then see what happens, the effects. But then a lot of times we will take photographs just for fine arts photograph or landscape photography, a documentary photography of a location. Um, from a stock photography site, I don't believe we submit, we haven't done stock photography submissions in, I don't know, three, four years now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We, we have a large collection of images available at, with stock agencies, but they're not our landscape photographs. They are specifically shot mostly in studio, not all, but a large selection of in-studio um, shots that were specifically taken for stock. So it's really a separate business, and it's something that has been phased out for the most part. Got it. And those and those images still live on on those stock sites. Are they still generating yeah. significant revenue for you? Or are they? Is They're it kind generating of some revenue. I I wouldn't say significant. <laughs> you can buy Starbucks every now and then. You yeah. Know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. a little more than that, but. Um, but the the primary intent of these photographs is that um, once we put a photograph, if you go to our website, you will see that every photograph has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And, and we truly believe that. So we have a gallery like every other photographer, but we also have an incredibly active blog that goes out. There is a blog post going out every single weekday for the wow. last uh, year and a quarter. Every day every a day. blog post goes every out? Every week. And, and not every week. Okay, every, every week. Day. Yeah. Okay. Every so week. does that mean Sunday evenings you write five posts and queue them up? Or no. <laughs> no, that means at the beginning of the month I write 30 blog posts. <laughs> nice. There you go. Yeah. See? Brains of the family, right? She does it like two months in advance. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, you know, it works out really well that way because it means that I can come in, you know, if I have something that needs to go up today, I can just ship something out of the way. But if I have an emergency coming up with my children, if I need to be somewhere, I don't even have to think about it. If we're going to be on location, those blog posts are just coming out and and they're done. And I put a lot of work into them, hours and hours of work into them. But I can sit back and, and do the other things that I need to do. I think that's that's brilliant. Time. I mean, and a lot of people get get overwhelmed with blogging and tweeting yeah. and all that stuff, thinking that, yeah. how, can, how can they be doing that all the time and traveling right. and all that? And the, the idea is that you time shift, right? You, yeah. you yeah. bulk load things so that you can set things on their own tangent and that's then go right. do something else. So that's, that's right. brilliant. That's a key takeaway of this conversation. It's, it's but, huge. It's hugely important. When we started doing that, our blog uh, increased in caliber. I mean, not only was I writing twice as many blog posts, but on top of that, they were much better. Mm-hmm. Because I could focus on that for for two, three, four days, sometimes a week or more at a time, but then it's done, and I can go focus on something else. Yeah, but then and you're, you're not writing a post that's going to go up tomorrow, or write. And you're not going to publish right now. You're right. writing something, and then a week later, you could say, you know what, something changed. Let me go. Yeah. Let me go edit that because this changed right. in the piece of gear that I was writing about, or whatever. Yeah, right. Really exactly. Smart. Really. So Jay, you were going to say something. <laughs> Yeah, so that those blog posts um, generate direct revenue. They they generate a lot of um, traffic on our site, mm-hmm. but they also generate a direct revenue that eventually those blog posts uh, find their way into educational materials that we publish. Okay, part of the ebooks. Um, well, let's talk about that. I want to talk about the that part of your business. So, 
you know, you, you, we've come full circle now. We've landed on the blog, and you've got the raw materials, and you've got the traffic coming to the blog from the blog posts that are queued up. Um, and now there's a store with these, these tutorials and the PDFs and that sort of thing. Take me through those and how those get created. And are they, are they Apple iBooks? Are they, are they regular p- PDFs? What, what's the nugget that they can buy? At this point, the books are PDFs. Um, they can be used on any computer system. They work beautifully on your uh, tablet, on uh, whatever it is that you, you want to, you know, your PC, your Mac. Um, yep. And uh, those are created um, from scratch. The two of us do those together. And uh, a lot of times, you know, it, it varies, of course. Each book is different. But a lot of times, Jay will start, as I'm finishing up one book, Jay is already starting on the next book. And he's putting together uh, a basic outline. He's pulling in images and putting together ideas. Um, then once he's gotten to a certain point or once I'm ready to start working on that book, once the last one's taken care of, then... Um, it shifts to me and I start going through and I do the editing. So I go through, I move things around, I add what I want to say. You know, he's already put in what he wants to say, so I edit what he's saying. I'll add pages, I'll add my own input to the pages he's written. Um, and uh, then I'll go through, I'll do another editing, we'll make sure the images are ready. And then it actually goes back to Jay and he um, puts in a bunch of links. He, he makes stuff. sure the links are working, he makes sure everything's you know, awesome. just as it should be. And then uh, he puts it up on the website, and at that point, I'm already working on the next one, usually, uh, because he's already finished with the basic layout. Um, I do the design, I do um, all the editing, He and we share the writing. So the, um, the, the cover design, the layout, all that stuff mm-hmm. is all in-house. You're not, you don't have a design right. team that's doing no. stuff. It's that's all right. the one-two punch of you guys. That's amazing. That's good. But our uh, designs are also fairly unique. We started doing this a couple of years ago. You can take our ebooks and instead of viewing in a PDF or you, there's a full screen mode. So once you put in a full screen mode, your entire screen is filled up with these huge photographs with yeah. writing on it that you can read. But the navigation is such that you never have to go out of that full screen mode. There are navigation buttons built at the bottom of the, the ebooks that will just allow you to flip pages yeah. within the navigation mode that you are in, and it and and these ebooks are at a resolution where the photograph looks just awesome on the screen. That's great. Now, you guys are both attractive and personable, and you come Thank across you. well. You wow. <laughs> come across well on screen. How? Why are you? Do you have plans to do like video tutorials? I know you're doing in-person workshops. But video tutorials or iBooks that have a video component to them, is that where things are going, or are you going to stick with the, with the printed sort of PDF? We so actually we, uh, posted a video just today, Jay, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a new video on how to clean your tripod. So. <laughs> no, we, we have video tutorials. We have webinars. Yeah. Um, in fact, we were actually one of the first people that we know that has embedded video into our eBooks. Very cool. So if you actually went go and take a look at our ebooks from a couple of years ago, there's an ebook called Masks, and that has embedded video in it. So you open up the PDF file and you click on the video, and the video will actually play within the ebook in a full screen mode, which is That's pretty cool. So you guys, you guys are trendsetters, and I I look at you guys as <laughs> kind of where photographer not not so much every photographer needs to be an entrepreneur, but this is an example of how to make it work, right? Especially from a a husband wife perspective that with 
you know, a tribe behind you of kids, you know, you're, <laughs> You guys are making this work. You got to, you, you're able to travel. You're able to do amazing photography. You have a gigantic online audience on Google Plus and beyond, and you have a thriving store and blog. So that's – with all that said, what's next? Television? Television. Television is going out of style. Oprah's not doing her show anymore, right? We want to get a regular spot on Twip. There you yeah. go. You're more than welcome to come on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, we don't know what's next. We're looking at all kinds of opportunities. We'll be speaking um, in Canada next year. We'll be speaking London, in England. London. Uh, in London, yep. Um, and uh, somewhere down south the following year. I can't actually remember yeah. where, but I'm sure it's somewhere lovely. Um, so <laughs> down, down south of the United States, down south in southern, Europe. You know, southern okay. U.S. It, okay, what is it, okay. Jay? Is it uh, north? Carolina it's in Virginia somewhere. Yeah. It's in Virginia I somewhere. I think it's further south than Virginia. But okay, anyway, yeah. one of those states. <laughs> but one of those southern states, yeah. Right. We're also running workshops with uh, the Giving Lens organization, mm -hmm. so all over the world. And we'll probably likely run some other ones when the yeah. opportunity arises. Very We've cool. taught, we, we, uh, led a workshop this year in Nicaragua. So that was our first workshop with the Giving Lens, and we're hoping to do that again with them uh, as soon as possible. We had a really wonderful time. So That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys for, for doing this. This has been awesome. Where, so you have two websites, or is there one website where you'd like people to go, or where would you like the audience to go check you guys out at? Um, they can check my work out at uh, jpatelphotography.com, mm -hmm. and Marina's work at... And photography by Verena.com. <laughs> you guys have to flip it up. See, it yes. couldn't be Verena Patel photography. It had to be the reverse, right? So you have to understand. <laughs> yep, it has to be. It is it's true because... No, that has nothing to do with it. We, I had a website before I ever met Jay. My name wasn't Patel. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Very cool. All right. Well, guys... Thank you once again. I know it's you know it's a lot to ask to have you come on in the, at night to do this. So <laughs> no problem. This, this has been great. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this episode, people are listening to this interview after they've heard you host an episode of Twip with me. So thanks for doing that. <laughs> Thank you in the future for doing that. <laughs> You're welcome in the future. Thank you. <laughs> This See, confusing, now, but... now watch, watch something happen, and, you know, for some, Frederick is not able to do the show, and now it's going to be all weird. So. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. Good, <laughs> Good night.